He is the Farmington campus pastor, if you don't know him. Um, pastor James could not make it. Uh, he gave me a heads up. So I said, Pastor Zach, would you be willing to be on deck in case Pastor James can't make it? And he said, yes, I love the Bible. I'll take a break from the Book of Mormon to uh, crack open the Bible. So here he is. We're going to be talking through Genesis 30 through Exodus 1. Nothing's really changed. Um, we're still going to be answering your guys' questions. So if you got questions right now about the reading from week three, ask those. Um, and we're really going to go off uh, what you guys have questions about, okay? But I'm sure you have some observations you have made as well in your re reading. What What is really, what is what did you notice um, Genesis uh, 30 through Exodus 1? There's, there's so much there, uh, man, Joseph, he gets, he gets a decent portion of the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you look at some of the other characters and stories, you know, sometimes people get like six verses or they get, uh, you know, a chapter like Jacob and Joseph, like they get a big chunk of a big book of the Bible and, uh, yeah, there's just so much there. Where do you want to start? Hmm. I don't know where you guys want to start. Where do you guys want to start off? Little Judah and Tamar action. <laughs> That's an interesting, that is something like in the story of Joseph, all of a sudden you go to Judah and Tamar about uh, Judah. It says he, he left his brothers. He it's going through his family line. He um, ends up uh, hit, anyways, that there's, do you want to, you want to look at Judah and Tamar? Let's read do that it. a little bit. Okay. Jump, yeah. Cause I could go into, into that or I could, yeah, this is a really interesting, interesting passage. And it's almost just like thrown in there. Oh, yeah. You know? you're so like, it's like, we're talking about Jacob. We're talking about Joseph. And then all of a sudden just like thrown in, in chapter 38 is this pretty controversial story, you know, whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, and it's just, it's just like thrown in there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, where are we? There was God striking um, someone down because he didn't go into his wife. He spilled his, I, I, I say this because not for comedy relief, but because I don't want to get flagged on YouTube. Uh, he spilled his love juice um, and therefore God struck him down. And this has been a verse that's been used to say, you know, talk about the morality of God, but it's. It's interesting because I guess you're supposed to, when your wife, uh, her brother's wife, Tamar's, uh, uh, not her brother's, her husband had died. And so her brother was supposed to marry her, uh, not marry her, but just give her offspring and it wouldn't be his. And so when he was supposed to go into her and make babies, he ended up spilling his love juice instead of giving her offspring and so god offed him and then she yeah. was supposed to be promised um was it shema i think it was shema Ju judah's younger yeah. son who was still he wasn't a man yet yeah you know, so he had he needed some years to kind of grow up to the yeah. point that he could be of marrying age yeah and then so judah had forgot about this promise to his daughter-in-law mm -hmm. and so then she kind of took things into her own hands and deceived yeah. her father-in-law and uh, I don't think he really forgot either. You know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think it was I think it was deception on both sides. Yeah, yeah. 
it was uh yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't he yeah you're right I, I shouldn't give him a pass on that but anyway so she ends up taking things into her own own hands dressing up like a concubine and sleeping mm-hmm. with her father-in-law man this is not a prescription for your life you should not go out and do this hopefully you don't this is a description of this is scripture just which what we're digging into and so she ended up sleeping with him and um they found out she was pregnant and so they were Judah hears about it and he's he doesn't know he doesn't know that he had that this is his his child and is like you need to be burned at the stake and then she reveals he's ready he, to throw down judgment yeah she reveals and and has proof that it was his kid um based on things that he had left with her as a promise of payment and he goes you are more righteous than me um, I should have give you. I should have given you my son and in marriage, and I didn't. And anyways, so but then there's, there's so much context here too. So you, when you when you dig into like kind of some of these, uh, you know, rituals or traditions, like how how things worked, uh, like we live in a very different world, a different yeah. culture, a different economy. Um, you know, if I were to die, you know, I, I'm fully confident that Amy could still sustain herself. Yeah, you know? and you know she's she's got a job and a successful career. Um, but it, but women didn't have the same place in culture back then, you know? And so if a, a woman lost her husband, you know, she, she had really no means to be able to provide for herself. Mm. And so that, that was the importance of the, the brother and this family member coming in. And, you know, it wasn't just a, a sexual thing. It wasn't just, you know, an offspring thing. It was yeah. actually like a provision thing of them coming mm. in saying, Hey, my brother's dead. You know, I can no longer, you know, he can no longer take care of you. I'm going to, because I'm family, I'm going to step in place and provide for you as well. Mm-hmm. And so very, very different world, very different, yeah. very different culture that, that they lived in. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So then we're, there's Judah and Tamar. Is there any questions that you guys have? We can continue to make observations and talk about it, but we want to answer your guys's questions that you have about this week's reading. What did you guys notice? What do you have questions about after reading in week three from um, Genesis 30 to Exodus 1. A lot, a lot of ground covered there. Wait in the chat. Jesse's in the chat. What's up, Jesse? Got crickets in the chat. Crickets in the chat. All right, Zach, Pastor Zach, why don't you go ahead and and continue to um, let's jump into Joseph. Joseph. All right, let's do it. Jo- Joseph is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's you know, and it starts out interesting because so he's a part of a big family. Yeah, uh, he's got all these different siblings, and uh, where when how many siblings do you have? Five. No, uh, I'm five. I'm. F- yeah, I have four. <laughs> you forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was including myself. All right. So, so Joseph. Right. Joseph had some favor. He was. Yeah. He was the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, were Were you the favorite or? Oh not yeah. So much? Yeah, I'm definitely the favorite. Obviously. Okay. I I was not. So there's five five. <laughs> wait, kids in wait. Our you family. actually have joking. Like you actually know that you weren't the favorite. Yeah, Did your mom like go through and? Yeah, cool. And we had we had four boys: Caleb, yeah. Gabe, myself, Josh, and then our sister Abby. Oh, hundred so percent. She was she was the favorite. Gotcha. And okay. uh, so Joseph was the favorite, uh, but you, you know, like he does the, he does the dumb thing of, he's got this dream that mm-hmm. uh, his brothers are bowing down before him. And uh, he decides to go and share this with his brothers. 
not, not a great idea. Like that's no. not going to build uh, family cohesion. And uh, so right there, you know, he's, I think he was kind of one of those instigator siblings. There's always yeah. one of them. Now I, I was an instigator sibling. Um, <laughs> you was, were the instigator? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, with my, my two older brothers, I mean, they beat up on me quite a bit, mm. um, but I definitely instigated. So I think, I think a lot of that was, that was deserved. And, uh, but p- picture this, okay. Like I grew up, you know, we had brothers, we, we got into fights a lot. Yeah. We punched each other. You know, we did things that we shouldn't have done all of that. But his brothers get to this place of, of like murderous hate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's difference between like being angry in the moment and like punching your brother and then getting to this place of like murderous hate. Yeah. Like what, what is it that you think made them so angry, like so over the top that they were like, we, we want to do away with him completely. Well, he was the favorite and it was known by his brothers because he was the, the son of um, Jacob's favorite wife. Um, the one that was easy on the eyes, Rachel. And uh, other than his his other wife that he was deceived into marrying, Leah. And so he already had that going for him, being the, the child of Rachel. And it was clear, um, especially distinguished by his coat of many colors that he had been given, that he was the favorite. Uh, but to add insult to injury, uh, Homeboy t- begins to tell his brothers of the dream that um, that he should that uh, his brothers and his and his family would bow down to him. So this dude, he's the favorite. You already got that going for you. You're just kind of like the annoying, like this dude, this dude knows that he's the favorite. And then not only that, he's going to say and, and, and rub his dreams in our face of we're going to bow down to you. Like, I don't know. I mean, cultural context or not, if that happened to me, I'd be pretty... I'd be pretty annoyed at that as well. I mean, wouldn't you? Like, if you, or unless you were the one going around, or you were the one to do that. You're the one to to instigate. So that would have been probably something you would be more Joseph esque. Yeah, I don't know. For me, that would be. I can. That's pretty obvious to me why that would be frustrating to go and flex uh, in front of your your family who are already there's a, a, a dislike because everybody knows you're the golden child. Mm-hmm. But so they they uh, have an idea to kill him. Mm. One of the brothers talks him out of it, and basically they kind of come up with a plan to to keep him alive, but they sell him into slavery. And, oh, uh, and so he he winds up in uh, Egypt, and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff kind of takes off from there. Um, now, now here's something that I find pretty interesting. Um, what, what, what was Joseph known for? Like, what was his his gifting that everyone thinks he's known for? Oh, man. I promise I did, I did the reading. His ability to interpret. Oh, the dreams. Yeah, yeah. Dreams. He interprets the dreams. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks of Joseph as the dreamer. Yeah. You know? And like, that's the way that we portray him. That's, you know, that was his quote unquote gift. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes we get caught up with the opportunity that actually brings you to your gifting. Hmm. And, you know, I think as we dive more into Joseph, I don't actually think that his gift was interpreting dreams. I think that was simply the opportunity so God could get him to the place where his true gifting was used. Interesting. And so, but but before we get there, let's maybe kind of go through some of the different things that that happened to Joseph along the way. Yeah, Jesse says, uh, division in family is real. My wife, Christina, and I reflected on this, but uh, it isn't God's design. Thankful now that I have hope through Jesus, God's love, uh, family, and desires to save entire households. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
That's so good. And it's so true because you get to the, the end of Joseph's story and, uh, and he actually, you know, his brothers had sold him into slavery. They thought he was eventually dead. Um, and at the end of it, when Joseph confronts all of his brothers, uh, he basically says like, Hey, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be sad. Like you thought that you were selling me into slavery, but God was actually in this. Like God was actually bringing me to this place so that I could protect you and a bunch of other people from, from dying of famine. And so it's just, it just goes back to, you know, that, that verse of how God uses things, you know, works things together for the good of those who love him. And so he'll take tragedy, he'll take him, you know, God works those things together. And I love that how even Joseph, (laughs) there's a point where Jacob dies and after they bury Jacob, his brothers are, you know, they're, they're test, they're, they're they're like, please don't kill us. And they're trying to test and they're asking questions. I can't remember what question they had asked him, but they're kind of making sure that, Hey, are you showing mercy on us just because our father is living? And now, you know, since you're the, you're the, you're the big dog on campus, are we going to suffer your wrath? And that's when he had said that he had said, you know, you had meant this for evil, but God used me to bring many, uh, life, which is interesting. It's a difference. Uh, what pastor James says, he says, you don't, if you're a Christian, and this is the verse, when I first came to Bethel's Rock, he was talking about Joseph, and that was, you know, this, the the situation in my life um, where it literally spoke to me, and it was so profound what he said, I will never forget this, and it changed my outlook on life. He said, if you're a Christian, it is your choice to be offended. You have a choice mm-hmm. to be offended, because you're more than a conqueror, you're a victor. God use if God uses all things... If he uses it for the good of those who love him, so someone that would mean evil for you, God will take what someone used to harm you and twist it for your good. It's really your choice whether you want to be offended or not. And I love that's Joseph's approach. He recognizes the sovereignty of God and doesn't hold this, this um, you know, this vengeful way of thinking, where I'm gonna, yeah, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you, yep. or even the ego that he could have had to be in that position of power yep. and walk all over his brothers, but recognizes that it was God who put him there. Uh, a victor versus victim mentality. So there is a question that I saw. Sean Post he said that since Joseph didn't know his father, thought he was dead. I'm curious how long he had hope his father would come to find him, being the favorite. Hmm. That's an issue. I would never would have thought about that. Yeah, I've never I've never thought about that before. Yeah, I mean, if if but Joseph, they had, they had sold him on the fact that he was devoured by animals, right? Like he had, they had they had faked his brother's death. So I don't even know if they he, he didn't even know that he was sold into slavery in the first place. He had just been told by his brothers to cover up what they had done that he was that he was dead. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, jo- Joseph wasn't aware of all the deception, all the yeah. plan, you know, so he... Oh, I he, guess, yeah, yeah, from Joseph, he's saying Joseph's yeah, perspective. Yeah, so see, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. he got thrown in a well, you know, he got sold into slavery, but then he True. doesn't know what the what the brothers True. are telling the father. Imagine being, you know, imagine being in that kind of a place where now, mm. now you're in this other country and you're like, did they tell my father the mm. truth? Does my dad know that I'm alive? Is there any hope? Do, do my brothers know that I'm alive? Mm. And uh, and like you're you're this orphan. Yeah, you're this, you're this orphan in another country, and uh, and just like what that would do to your mindset. Um, and you would you would really have to rely on God. Like you you don't have a family to rely on. Yeah, 
That's it. Yeah, it's a it's a good thought. Yeah, thinking about you know, at what point does does that hope turn to hopelessness? Like, is there anybody looking for me? Is my dad gonna like, you know, put my brothers in, in like what what you know what's going through the mind of my family right now? Um, and he yeah, I can't imagine that being in a foreign country, sold into slavery. Uh, that would be that would be terrible. That'd be a very great time to feel like a victim and ask God why, why, like where you know. I thought I was supposed to have this dream, and now I am. I am a slave in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Gen P, um, what about Jacob wrestling with God and the name change and the hip socket? That's good. That, yeah. that story, um, pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So, so Jacob is wrestling with, mm-hmm. with God. Let's see where that's at. Yeah, here. pull it up. Can you, can you imagine, you know, uh, like... Some WWE type stuff. God, God's someone who, who likes to have fun, you know, and, yeah. and I, I think that God honors a fight. Um, you know, when I, I think back to, you know, before I was a Christian, before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, sin had all sorts of control over me, um, you know, and, and a lot of that changed when I became a Christian, and then a lot more of that changed when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but one thing that I always tell people, you know, when they're walking through um, addictions, whether it's, you know, addiction to pornography or addiction to alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, like, I'm like, God honors a fight. You know, like the, the Bible talks about how God honors a fight. And it's like if you fall down, you know, failure is when you just sit there. You don't do yeah, anything about it. It's true. Um, but like God will honor the fight of you getting back up and saying, yeah, I messed up. Um, but I'm not going to sit in that, you know, and I'm not going to give myself a free pass. I'm going to stand back up and continue the fight. And, uh, and I think that's what, that's what God, you know, liked about Jacob is like, he wasn't willing to give up, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and if I remember correctly, like he was wanting a blessing, right? Yeah, like, what is he, he was, like, I'm yeah, not going to stop. I'm not going to stop till you bless me. I got to find the chapter. I was looking for the, um, try to find the chat. Someone, someone give me the chapter of the, the, I think it is it in the twenties. Yeah, it might have been way back there. I think I think it's back a little bit, if I remember. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the. I could I could really just look it up right here, but let me look this up real quick. Um, Jacob wrestles with God. Verse. This is in Genesis 32:24 to 28. I said 32:24 through 28 oh yeah here we go yep yep jacob wrestles 32 20 yeah because it was right before he meets his brother esau and he's coming in contact with how quickly do we give up on blessing Mm. like he he was willing to wrestle god for it yeah um and and how often like are our prayers like these 30 second prayers where it's like, hey, God, I, I want this. And then if we don't hear back instantly, if we don't get what we want instantaneously, like this mm. McDonald's immediate gratification, yeah. then we just we just move on. And we're like, oh, I guess God doesn't want me to have the blessing. Or, you know, mm. or we pretend that God, you know, isn't listening. Or we make up all these lists of excuses. Yeah. Um, when it could just be that, like, God wants you to, sh- like, prove how badly you actually want it. Yeah. Like, he, he wants you to wrestle through it metaphorically and sometimes literally unlike his brother who sold his birthright and the blessing for a bowl of soup mm-hmm. didn't really value saul says goku versus jesus who would win 
Who do you think you would win, Pastor Zach? Goku. Who's Goku? Uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read in Genesis 32. This is where Jacob wrestles God, 32, uh, 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his uh, two servant wives and his 11 uh, sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the men strained the tendon of uh, Jacob's hip. I got to bring something up quick. Multiple wives. All right, so we, we see this throughout the mm. Old Testament. Oh, we're getting into that, huh? And uh, and we and we sometimes, especially if someone's not used to you know reading the Bible, they read that and they're like, oh, okay, if it's in the Bible, does that mean that that's what God supports? Hmm. And uh, the thing I love about the Bible is there is so much free will, and there are so many stories, both good and bad. Yeah. And so it's not it's not a, a book where the only thing that you'll read is just everything good. It's actually a, a story a collection of stories and books of a lot of different times when people veered from God's original intention. And so God's original intention, we see it in, in Genesis. You know, he made a man, he made a woman, you know, one man, one woman, that was God's uh, design. And, uh, but so anyways, I just, you know, a lot of times people say, well, well there was so much polygamy in uh, the Old Testament, so therefore that must have been what God accepted. That's a or, proof. Or he, Everything in the Bible, you yep. just need to take it and apply it to your life. Yeah. So just because we, just we see it in the Bible doesn't mean that that was God's original design or even no. something that he approved of, um, but the, the reality is that God allows a well, lot of things to happen that he doesn't want to happen. Well, you do a lot of marriage counseling for couples. You actually did uh, my marriage counseling, uh, premarital counseling. Didn't you say something? I thought you said that, you know, we're under grace, so polygamy's <laughs> like, okay. So you... Not, not at all. No. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I'm just messing. That's sarcasm. If you know me, that's no, but yeah. So if you read the Bible, this is why we do this because a lot of people, I think they'll literally say people that it's funny because I feel like atheists and people that I, I, I have conversations with all of a sudden the people that aren't Christian and, and don't read their Bible, only cherry pick be, somehow become the expert on the topic. I'm like, you want to enter into this conversation, right? Maybe if you read the full context and understand that, you know, the Bible is, is there, there's, there's the letters of Paul, which is the conduct of a Christian life, but then it's really a history book. Like right now you're reading about the history of the promise given to the people of Israel right now. You're seeing to the, you're seeing this come to fruition and realized in the person of Jesus. And so when we read scripture, um, when I read scripture, when, when I was looking at Abraham and Jacob and these guys, it's funny because I've been so like pastor James, 
Um, I'm always bringing up Romans and I, I love Paul. I got a poster of him on my wall. Um, a big, big fan of Paul, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I've constantly recently just been in just consuming the, his letters and just always in the new Testament and reading those over and over, but I haven't like visited Genesis for a while. And so as I was reading through, um, based on what he had recommended me to do to read the whole Bible through again, rather than just going chapter to chapter, uh, I read it through, and the one thing that I noticed as I was going from lineage to to passing down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, I'm looking at these men that we look in the like you know the hall of the hall of faith, as Pastor James says, mm-hmm. and I'm like, these guys aren't like these are your these are your guys, God. <laughs> like these are the you know the holy guys. Like this is the this is this is the people that you had covenant with. And they're really not that impressive in the terms of how we think in our Western culture about a behavioral-based faith in God. And it's on you to live a, a perfect life. And it's on you. Salvation is on your back. Um, that's something that I really noticed going through um, the scripture, that it's really right now it's a history of God's covenant, his, him keeping his end of the bargain and being mm-hmm. faithful to a faithless um, you know, uh, people. Well, which is interesting. And, and how God honored faith. Yeah. Uh, like we, we so often think like, oh, well, you know, the ideal American Christian is someone who, you know, they're well put together. Yeah. They look church-like. They mm-hmm. don't swear. Yeah. You know, and so you look at them and you just, you know, okay, that, that's what a, like a good Christian should look like. Yeah. And you look at the Bible, it was the people that, that operated with like this, this faith. You know, it wasn't it was the trust. They, they weren't defined by the things that they didn't do. They were defined by the faith, the big action of the things that they were willing to do. Mm. It's true. Yeah. Any other questions, guys? What's up, Allison? I see you. Glad you're joining us. I'm curious, is Connor watching right now? Connor from Scotland. Talked to you yesterday. Is Connor on right now? Connor from Scotland. Look how big this straw is. It's like twice the height of my coffee. It's, <laughs> yeah, it seems kind of ridiculous. That's pretty goofy, man. Should have got you a, a baby swirly straw. <laughs> Some uh, people on, I have TikTok open as well, and and people are asking all these deep theological questions. For you guys that are watching on TikTok, if you want your question, like we're we're going through the Bible in a year, and so we're answering questions that um, are according to this week's reading, uh, week three. So we're going the the Bible in a year together, and uh, we are focusing on um, questions about this week's reading. So if you have questions about that, from Genesis 30 to Exodus 1, um, you can, you can ask that or jump over to, um, YouTube Bethel's rock pastor Taylor Apple says that's a funky straw. <laughs> Is there any, any questions that you guys have any more questions about? If not, we're jumping back into Joseph. Yeah. yeah we're jumping back in. I'm giving you guys a chance to ask now. Otherwise, man, we got plenty of, of, of talking, talking about where we, no, it's not even. I didn't have enough coffee. I need your baby straw right now, and and your coffee you got. I might I might steal a sip over there. Oh, you All get right. you guys send in questions. You I'm, send in questions. I'm, I'm going back into Joseph. Yeah, yeah, man. We can't yeah. wait. We can't wait anymore. So if you if you uh, go into Joseph, I'll be watching the questions. Okay. Um, so back to this gift. Okay, thing. let's do it. All right. Talking to the mic full, here. Full full there circle. Um, back to this gifting thing. We we typically think that Joseph, you know, that his gift was interpreting dreams. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was the opportunity 
to get him into the place where his real gift could be used. And so what happened is he interpreted this dream for Pharaoh. Uh, there was this massive famine going to happen. Like yeah. so there was going to be like seven good years and seven bad years. Imagine, you know, if you're a farmer not being able to plow or harvest for like seven years because it's it's that bad. That's crazy. There's going to be this huge famine. And, uh, and so because he interprets this dream, okay, Pharaoh trusts him and puts him second in command. He basically says, you're basically equal to me. Yeah. You know, and I'm putting you in charge of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and so just picture, you know, the president of the United States. I'm you picturing know, it. You, you know, he, he has a dream. You interpret the dream, you know, and then he puts you second in command over an entire nation an yeah. entire country, and surrounding countries because surrounding people, yeah. you know, they were coming because they knew that Egypt had food. Mm -hmm. um, but Joseph was in charge of all of this. His gift was administration. Mm hmm. Like that was his gift. It wasn't interpreting dreams. That's interpreting dreams just got him to the point where his true gift of administration, hmm. and he saved tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of different lives. You know, so I even think of you. Your gift is not technology. Okay, hmm. I'm, I'm terrible with like social media technology. <laughs> all my staff, uh, they they know and make fun of me for it. Um, and you're really good with all this kind of tech stuff. That's not your gift. Mm. That's simply the the opportunity to get you to the place where then your real gifts are actually being used. Mm, that's and good. so if you if you think that something is your gift and it's not, you know, it can actually cause you to be less effective, less fruitful, because then you think, oh, okay, I'm just the tech guy. Mm. I'm just the tech guy, and so this is just what I do. And you can get bogged down in the thing where God's saying, hey, this isn't actually your gift. I, I was just, you, this is just a platform mm. for your real gifting to actually be that's able to come out and be that's used. That's interesting. I don't feel like you hear that a lot. The The gift that, that Joseph's gifts was, it got him to, his, his gift of interpreting dreams got him to a place where he was really operating in his true gift administration. If you think about it, man, that is a lot of organ. Man, he had to have been using Asana or some project managing software to be able to, to deal with all of that. That's crazy. But um, so Allison said, I had a question. What does fat fleshed mean in chapter 41, verse 2? Um, do, 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 do. You got that pulled up. Pharaoh's dream. I think she's talking about the cows. From the Nile, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Mm. Yep. Fat cows, healthy cows, you know, big, plump, healthy. you know, thinking about a big, juicy steak. Like you don't want some slender cow. You know, it's the, the fat on there that makes the steak really good. Someone was telling me, I don't remember who this was, but I remember um, he had called his wife healthy. And uh, don't don't use that as a compliment. <laughs> Apparently, the wife was offended, but he was calling his wife. He was like, I'm, I'm, "I was I was complimenting you. I'm like, healthy is a good thing. I'm like, you look healthy. Like you healthy. I think it was actually Pastor Levi was telling me that he <laughs> told Pastor McKenzie, uh, "Man, girl, you look healthy. Like don't she's like don't ever say that again. Don't don't call your fact, wife. Fat yeah, don't fleshed. call your fat uh, fleshed. Apparently, yeah. that's a, a a word association. So regardless of what you think it means, so. Yeah, so when he was talking about Allison, fat fleshed, it was to show the the years of plenty, um, and then the skinny cows consumed the fat cows, the healthy cows, and it was to show the famine. Um, so to prepare in the years of where there was abundance, the seven years of abundance, because in the the years, uh, the following seven years, there would be famine, that would devastate the entire area. So that was what that was about. That was what he interpreted. 
Thank you for the explanation. You are very welcome. Sean says, can you explain more on chapter 4132? Doesn't that uh, doubling concept occur other places in the Bible? What is he referring to, Pastor Verse Zach? 32 now is for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice. It means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Um, I know I know one thing I always just look for in the Bible, just in general, is when something is repeated, uh, because it, like, ad, it adds emphasis yeah. to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, why, why would that thing be repeated? Why would it be said multiple times? And, uh, you know, and so in this instance specifically, I, I think that God really wanted to, you know, he was, he was this was a setup all along. Mm-hmm. This was a, a multi-year setup. Yeah, you know where where Joseph was brought from place to place, and now he's before Pharaoh and interpreting this dream, and uh, and so everyone had kind of their part to play, hmm. you know, and and Pharaoh needed to know that this was, uh, you know, a dream from God, you know, that it wasn't like have you ever had, you know, you wake up before, and uh, you know sometimes it's like was that. Is there something to that dream, you know, or was that just, you know, one of those like... I hope not. With the the amount of dreams my wife tells me, man, like I hope <laughs> that there isn't some prophecy to that because I hear she always wants to tell me her dreams and they're the weirdest things. She's like, you want to hear my dream? Like right when we... I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> like there's no meaning to it. So, I, you know, and some of the, the things she tells me, they are off the wall. So if there's prophecy to that, if there's some meaning, Lord, help us. The, the subconscious is a, a thing that's that's difficult to understand. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think God wanted to make it clear to, mm-hmm. to Pharaoh that this is not, you know, just some random dream, that there is meaning to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've, I've had uh, dreams before that are from God, where God mm-hmm. wakes me up and it's like 2 a.m. and I'm wide awake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I write it down because I'm like, that was not just uh, a random dream. Like, yeah. there, there's a different feeling to it. I don't really know how to explain it in too much more detail. But there are times when God speaks, whether audibly, whether in a whisper, whether through a dream, and uh, and you need to pay attention, mm-hmm. and, you, and, you, and you need to bring it to God, yeah, and really say, "Hey, God, I, you know, th- this feels different. What am I supposed to do with this?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense, Sean? I hope that answers your question. Any other questions? Looks like we got one more question from Jen up top. Oh, okay. Why would God allow Joseph to be sold into slavery, falsely accused, and left in prison? This doesn't sound like the dream he was given. We kind of covered that a little bit before, but you can talk about that again if you'd like. A little bit. I'm trying to find. How God uses. Uh, here. The, I, I love, you know, this. I think this answers it perfectly. In chapter 45, verse 5, uh, he's, he's now confronted his siblings and, uh, you know, and they're afraid, you know, now there's this person who has the power of Pharaoh. Like, is he going to torture us? Is he going to kill us? Yeah. And this is his response to them. He says, now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Mm. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five more in which there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. That's good. And uh, and so did did he have to endure stuff? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, he got dealt some kind of unfair things, I guess. But it, there was a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when things happen in our lives that uh, you know we didn't expect, we didn't want, uh, you know, I, I think we should 
instead of just complaining about it, we should ask God, is there a greater purpose to this? Hmm. You know, am, am I walking through this for, for a reason? And, and what's interesting, I feel like in the first part, <clears throat> his dream, I wonder if, if Joseph thought that, because a lot of times we can think that the, our blessings that we experience are for us. Like it's for me. Pastor James talked about that in our small group campaign, how we oftentimes mix up the blessing of God that it's just for me. It's just for my benefit rather than you see that the dream that he initially interpreted um, of his brothers and uh, his family bowing down to him um, wasn't just because he was the stuff <laughs> because he was the favorite. It yeah. was actually, a, it was a, it was a blessing that he had, he had talked about. You had meant it for evil, but God used me to preserve a, a, a remnant to keep survivors in a, in a land that was ravished by a famine, that God's blessing is to serve others. And I think we can get that confused. We want blessing because we want our stomachs full. We want blessing because we want influence and we want to be known by people and revered, but we don't understand that the blessing and the influence God gives us is meant to serve others and be a blessing to others. Mm -hmm. What did you, what do you think about that? Is that heretical? <laughs> no, not, not at all. You know, and I, I think that we're supposed to live life with this very like open hand. Hmm. Uh, you know, when it's like, if you keep your hand closed, sure. Like God will allow you to, to hold on to whatever it is that you have. Yeah. But he can't give anything to you either. When you live life with this open hand, like God's going to like take stuff away and he's going to give you stuff. And so mine and Amy's goal is to like live our life as like this pass through account hmm. where we allow God to take whatever it's good, but then also like put in whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we get blessed in the process as we're blessing other people. Yeah. And so we, we try to live that way with our time, with our house, with our possessions, with our bank accounts mm -hmm. and really just being open handed with it and trusting that God is going to take care of us. And we also, again, we get blessed in the process, but we're not the end goal. Like we're not, the end of the blessing. We just want to be in the middle of the blessing where like God gives it to us. We steward it well and it gets passed along to other people. Yeah. That's really good. Really good. Continuing on, on Joseph. I mean, we, are we ready to jump into like kind of the end yet as we get into like Exodus? I don't know. Or are we not, anything, are we not quite there yet? We covered a lot of ground um, yeah, I was thinking we, oh, we still got, we still got some time to cover. Well, there's the, the bless, the blessings of his sons are really interesting before Jacob passes away. Oh yeah. The blessing is really interesting. The specific blessings of, of Reuben to Issachar to Judah to, that's really interesting. Um, chapter 49. Yeah. You want to go through that? Yeah. Talk about the blessings. Thank yeah. you for the gifts, uh, Renee. I appreciate you. Thank you. Listen to the, the, the language of the first verse, chapter 49. Then Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. I'm picturing like Avengers, like yeah. assemble together. Um, but then he goes on, and, and, and this, is, this is pretty cr crazy. He then goes on to give a very specific, like prophetic encouragement and, and word and blessing and, you know, over each of his different sons hmm. and and there there's something to it like we've gotten out of the habit of this this concept of like blessing and mm. like spiritual inheritance mm. um you know so i'm a millennial um we've become very like anti-spiritual in, in a lot of ways where it's yeah. just like you know like that's that's not scientific so therefore yeah. <laughs> uh so we kind of like do away with those things yeah um but 
But to give this kind of specificity shows the closeness of the person giving it. Hmm. You know, that they've like they they've not only probably put thought into this, but like they're in tune with God. And and I don't believe that it's just a human blessing. Like I believe that he was blessing that he was connected with God. He was hearing from God and the blessing was coming from God through the father to these different sons. Yeah. And uh, any any blesses them and tells them some very different things. You know, it says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, uncontrolled as water. You shall have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. All right, talk about that. We're getting, we're getting into. You want to put that on me to talk we're, about? We're getting into crazy stuff, How, didn't he? And it wasn't even his wife. He so Reuben slept with his. It, it was his concubine, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had, he had slept with his father's concubine, which is a. It was like really an act of defiance, like yep. to take one of his father's. Very, very like rude, disrespectful, yeah. dishonoring. Yeah, know, I think is the best word. Yeah. Um. So, the you know again just. What's kind of interesting is it's not only like a, a blessing; it's also like reality. Like he's speaking to to who they are, mm-hmm. um, too, and and what they've done. Um, and so it's this it's this collection of you know futuristic, past and present, kind of like all all mixed in one. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually when I was listening because that was this morning's reading, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So I was I was listening that this morning <clears throat> on my way to work, and uh, the curses. Uh, I was wondering. I'm like, did that serve a? Was that you know the curses? Because it's like a real thing. It's not like now where, like I said, we don't live in like a spiritual world. I feel like, or people don't really understand um, the the meaning of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a flippant word, but it was like a a, a curse he had brought down on. He doesn't only for Reuben and his misconduct and how he slept with his father's concubine. But it was also, um, there was a curse on who were the brothers that, that, uh, destroyed, uh, they caused these men to be circumcised and then killed them all because they were defending their, their sister who was, um, you can't say the word, don't say the word that I'm thinking about, but unconsenting this, this person from, a a neighboring nation had took their sister and had her way mm. with her. And so in return, the, the guy who had done it, the guy who had, who had uh, slept with, with their sister wanted to make good and uh, marry her. And so they had devised this plan where they're like, Oh, you will, you know, you have to be circumcised then. And so they had circumcised themselves. And after, and while they were still healing from their wounds, they went out and killed everybody like massacred everybody. And Jacob's like, you have brought a curse on me, Dina. Yeah. Levi and Simeon. And so, uh, there was a curse that was that Jacob in his, when he had assembled them all together, there was a curse on their anger specifically, which I thought was interesting. So I'm like, you know, how does that work? Like, like what, what was the purpose of that? Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. It was just what I was thinking about this morning. Yeah. Cause you get the blessings and stuff, but like, why, why some of these harsh curses and stuff in a world where we're like, well, just forgive him. Like it, you're his father or whatever. Was it like a, a blessing that he would call that out in the atrocities that they did? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What do you think on that? 
What did you think about the the blessing and curses part of things? I mean, I kind of go back to like where did it first start? So the you know the first curse that happened wasn't actually on humans, but it it had to do with human actions. So Adam and Eve they yeah. sinned. They weren't actually cursed. The serpent was cursed, mm-hmm. and the ground was cursed mm. on on behalf of what they did. Now Adam and Eve they were judged, yeah, um, but they weren't cursed. Mm-hmm. The first human curse comes into play. It's the next chapter, I believe, mm. when Cain and Abel. Um, so yeah. Cain kills his brother Abel, and now at that point, um, he's cursed. Mm. And you, you just see you just see the extrapolation of sin happens. Mm. You know, so at first it's like you know it was just a bite of fruit. You know, yeah. it was it was it really that big of a deal? Yeah. And before you know it, now you have you know violence has entered the world. Mm-hmm. Now you have murder that's entered the world. Shortly after, you have polygamy. Then you have incest. Mm. You know, and then it gets to the point where everything is so evil. God's like, I got to wipe it out with a flood because yeah. you know every thought and intention that they had was continually evil. Like it's the point that? where evil had just taken over. The so w- I keep bringing this up because I'm like I'm like itching to get to the point where we can talk about this, even though this is a little bit further ahead. But since you brought it up and we've already covered it, so it's not like I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, someone had asked me what revelation did I have when I went from Genesis to like, uh, Joshua seven, cause there's things that stick out that don't normally do. Yep. And w- w- the interesting thing I brought up and maybe you guys can look this up and try to try to look this into your, into yourself. I'm still doing my research on it. Cause I just find it like interesting, um, how in regarding curses and how even in the beginning, because of the, the human actions of Adam, he was to have dominion over all creation, but he subject it to death and de- decay because of what he did. Um, the land was cursed mm-hmm. because of his stewardship of it. And what I noticed as I'm reading is when you get to where Israel becomes a nation, this is after Exodus and they start there, there's the tribes of Israel um, and they, their focus turns to, the land of Canaan, which had been promised, where, where we see with Abraham and, and still is communicated to each patriarch that God keeps promising them that this will be your land that you will possess. But the Canaanites, this is what people misunderstand because we have such a Western American mindset of the white man and colonization. And like and so we bring our, our preconceived notions and bring it into the Bible, but fail to understand what's really going on. That God being a righteous judge, this is what, this is what I thought was really interesting because it actually changed my perspective. He told the Israelites, God had said this, you are not obtaining this land because of your righteousness. You are a stubborn and wayward people. You are to, dispos- you are to depossess the land of the Canaanites because of... Because the land, the Bible literally personifies creation as literally vomiting them out because the the blood guilt of them shedding innocent blood. They would sacrifice their babies to, to, to Molech. They would sleep with their fathers. They would sleep with their mothers. They would it, like the sexual immorality, the the innocent bloodshed, the land. God says that it literally he was dealing with them because the land is literally vomiting them out. And the way in which he, he talks about this nation is you are to de dispossess them. Like their possession is no more because of their atrocities and God is bringing down a curse on them. And the Israelites are the sword of God that was going to bring down judgment and to establish, you know, peace by pronouncing judgment on this nation. But it's like, so the whole like curse thing mm. is really like, there's, there's not really a formulated thought there. 
it's just a curiosity and it's 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 interesting like our our behavior has consequences not only on us and our eternal salvation but also literal creation because we were created to reflect the glory of god but also have dominion over creation and our sin corrupts it's, it's interesting it's an interesting thought and changes perspective about our own accountability as humans and how it affects future generations too. yeah future generations too you know? yeah like these guys got a curse brought down on them and blessings and you see that walked out later yep like very, very, I was actually, yeah, never mind. I'm not getting into that, but <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Teresa said, listening at work off and on, maybe missed it, but going back to Genesis 24, 47, why did Abraham's servant put a ring in Rebecca's nose? Both why, uh, and he also touches her Genesis 47, uh, 24, 47. And I put the ring on her nose and bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed low and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master of Abraham, who had guided me in the right way. Uh, as, as far as I know, it's just gifts. So he, he, you know, he brought with gifts. And, uh, and so jewelry was, was one of those gifts. And, um, and it was almost, you know, kind of like this marking, like putting like the jewelry on or like, this is the one, you know, because this servant had asked for a sign. And, uh, and then exactly what he was looking for, you know, she said the exact thing like, Hey, like, let me give my servant water and let me water your camels too, Mm -hmm. which was no small thing. Like, do you, he had several camels and do you know how much water camels uh, can drink? And so the fact that she was willing to put like this five gallon jug down a well and lift it up again and again and again, probably like 50 to a hundred times to be able to water him and all the camels. I mean, this was an extreme act of of kindness and yeah. like it was a lot of work involved. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, it's just the, the jewelry was like a gift, you know, it was like, okay, you're, you're the one, here's this gift. And then it led to then the servant going and talking to the, the brother and the family and, uh, asking to, to take her back to his master. Good question, Teresa. Good question. Rebecca and Rachel also called down curses on themselves. I'm trying to remember. Can you expound on that, Jen? Or or point to a a we, verse or a chapter. We believe you. We just can't <laughs> at the top of my head. I can't think of it. Do we all suffer? Someone says on TikTok. Do we all suffer from original sin? Yes, we do. Yeah. We are all we are all under the curse because of Adam and Eve. We all suffer from that. That's just another example, too, of how a curse and our sin affects future generations as well, that we are living under the consequence in a world uh, that's different than what God had intended it uh, to be like. Oh, here we go. Okay, Rebecca with deceiving Isaac. Um, and uh, in this, so yeah, so Rebecca wanted to deceive Isaac because she had, you know, her favorite oh, son that yeah. she wanted to get the blessing. Mm. And so she deceived Isaac and, and made, you know, Jacob look and smell like Esau mm. so that he could get the blessing. What type of cologne of do you think Esau had? Uh, it, was, it was like? probably polo double black, <laughs> you know, just like that masculine scent. Yeah, that and, musk, that yeah, manly musk. Very good musk. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so the, you know, Jacob's nervous. He's like, I like, what, what if he finds out that I'm deceiving him? And, uh, and what's going to happen? And, and Rebecca says, let, let, the, let the curse be on me. You know, if there's a curse, let it pass from you to me. Hmm. And, uh, 
And so it, it was pretty, again, pretty extreme language. Um, and, uh, and as the, the son, you're probably kind of caught in a hard place of like, your mom's telling you to do this, mm. but what she's telling you to do is to deceive your father, you know? And, uh, and so he's kind of probably caught in between, but chooses wrongly, you know, and, and does something that shouldn't have done. Sweet. I think this is Connor. This is the one I was asking for earlier. Same man. Happy to be here. Thank you for yesterday. I, if you're Connor, God bless you. Thank, I'm glad you're here. Tuning in from Scotland. Um, Jay Plum. With Rachel, I was wondering if that's why she died after childbirth. So when the curse got brought down on her. Because mm, she had taken the the household gods from her yeah. father. Yeah. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a great, that's a, good question. That's a great point. Hmm. Uh, it, it's always difficult to, to judge like the, that consequence. Like, this is where I'm so glad that I'm not God. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, because you, you look be on that judgment. Yeah. Seat. You look at different instances where it's like, God allows so much to happen. And then there's other times where God's like, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's like, nope, you know, and, and so then there's these severe consequences sometimes to the point of death. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad that I'm, I'm not God that I don't have to judge and dole out the, that kind yeah. of thing and choose, um, you know, when to be patient, when to seemingly turn a blind eye, not yeah. that he actually is, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Bible tells us that oftentimes when we see like sin, like we're, we're thinking like, God, why aren't you coming in here and judging all of this? Mm-hmm. And God says, I'm actually doing it out of love. Like this is patience yeah. because, because mm. I, I'm trying to draw them back to, to me. And, uh, but like I said, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not God. And to add to that, um, uh, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about, um, there's scoffers that are, I think it's second Peter, second Peter, maybe I should look it up. No, I'm too lazy to, um, we're going to stick here. Uh, second Peter, cause I said we would do this week's reading, but I will do it from memory in second Peter. There are scoffers that are asking, where is the coming of your Messiah? Where is this judgment that you speak about that he's supposed to put things right? And he goes, the wicked are still getting away with what they're getting away with. And we haven't seen the intervention of your God, basically. And so the author says, the people that say this fail to realize how old the earth actually is. That God had judged sin once before by uh, flooding the entire earth because of because of their wickedness. And he said, God will no longer, he had promised not to flood the earth, but the second time he does it, the earth is stored up for wrath and it will be consumed by fire. And the interesting thing is, it says, and God on his part, the he said, God is not slow. It says, God is not slow in how you consider slowness and keeping his promise, but he's patient And the reason why he's patient, like you said, is because he doesn't desire wrath for anybody. Mm -hmm. He doesn't desire that people would suffer the consequence of their sin. If he did, there would be no reason that Jesus would show up on the scene. He would have just wiped us all out. But he is patient. People oftentimes take God's kindness for weakness Mm -hmm. and fail to realize that you are operating on the time where Jesus is on his mercy seat. But there is a time that will will run out and you will have to be accountable for the sin uh, that you in the grace that you rejected. Jesus is on his mercy seat and God desires for you to reach repentance, but he's not slow. He's patient. Mm-hmm. A thousand days is like a day to him, and a day is like a thousand years. It's t- God has a the kingdom has a different time zone than Central Standard Time. Anyways, 
Like I like to say, scoffers gonna scoff. <laughs> Someone said, doesn't the Bible teach that the son is not guilty of the sins of the father? This is different. Sin still has a consequence. The world that we live in, we deal with because of the sin of Adam and Eve. It was their dominion, it was their responsibility and their authority, and they used their authority to allow sin and death into the world. So, something that's very tied to generational blessing or cursing is the idea of learned behavior. Of you know, so if if you grow up, you know, and you're taught really good things versus really bad things, you grow up just being being in that. Like it's this learned behavior that still has such strong effect, mm. whether good or bad. Mm. Uh, what well, we were just talking about this the other day. You know, this kind of jumps into Exodus. Um, but a child. Yeah. How do you know that a child is saved? Mm. So, so we, we've, we've come up with different theological terms to try to explain this. You know, so one of the terms is, you know, the age of accountability that, you know, when a kid uh, gets to the point where, you know, they can make a decision to follow Jesus, you know, you know, but up until that point that they're, they're provided, you know, salvation or protection because they're not yet old enough. Hmm. But then what's that number, you know, Mm. like a 16 year old, Mm. like I know a lot of 16 year olds that don't seem to be operating very rationally yet. And, you know, still, uh, so, so like, where do you draw that line? Um, and, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the spiritual covering and the spiritual protection of the parents. Okay, so we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but you get to, you get yeah. to Exodus, okay? Yeah. You get to the Passover, all right? These, the, all these plagues that are happening because they're trying to get Pharaoh to release the Israelites, the Hebrews, so they can, they can leave. And all these plagues are happening, and, uh, and then you get to this, this final one, you know, where the firstborn is going to be killed. And, uh, and to protect their household, the Hebrews, they're supposed to, with hyssop, take lamb's blood and put it on the doorpost so the angel of death would pass over. Mm. Okay, now, now you think about this, okay? So they're putting, the, they take this hyssop, these branches, they dip it in blood, they're putting it on the doorpost. The kids didn't have anything to do with this. The three-year-olds, they weren't the ones dipping the hyssop in the blood. And, you know, it was, it was the parents, it was yeah. the, the men doing it. So there was this covering. Mm. And because of what they did, because of their faith and belief mm. and trust in God, their kids were saved from their obedience, from that, mm-hmm. you know, the kids didn't have anything to do with it besides yeah. the fact that they were living in the household with a believing and a faith acting parent. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It's a good point. All I know is that my morality does not trump God's. So the people that would, I know there's people on TikTok right now, you know, saying what they're going to say about God. But, you know, when, when people would rival God's morality, I think that's the biggest narcissistic mindset you can take. Either God's not real or I better submit to God. And if God tells me to stand on my head the rest of my life, I'm going to do it, not because I don't. I like it or don't like it. I'm going to do it because he is the God of the universe and I don't get to decide right and wrong. I need to submit to the one who created life. And so a lot of people think, you know, this is some debate class where, you know, I get to rival God's morality and, and, you know, judge his opinion. Um, There's (laughs) not only is that arrogance, but there's also a piece that when you understand, man, I'm very glad that God is on the judgment seat. And that yeah. God, like God's morality is far beyond me. And so I'm going to assume if I don't understand something, I am wrong, not God. 
the, my ultimate gut reaction, if there's something I'm struggling with in scripture or there's stuff that I'm reading that I'm tripping over, the assumption always that I make is that I am the one that doesn't understand. God is in the right. If, if I don't understand why he's right or, or if I feel like, you know, there's something in my gut that's like, God, why would you do that? There is something that I lack understanding in, but God is never the one to be to blame. And my intellect will catch up mm-hmm. if it ever does, because God's ways are higher than my ways. If my people will humble themselves. Humble themselves. Yep. Exactly. So good. Um, Connor says, does God believe in intent? Can he tell the difference by someone looking for forgiveness and someone who attends church but sin because they think they can just be forgiven? Ooh, that's a good question. Read that one more time. All right. Does God believe in intent? Can he tell the difference by someone looking for forgiveness and someone who attends church but sin? I got the answer, but I don't want to talk your ear off. But sin because they think they can just be forgiven. What do you think? I mean, yeah, and I think I think intent for sure matters. Um, but I think it comes back to the action part. And when it comes to sin, it's... Uh, it has to do with that humbling aspect of, of recognizing, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, because there are times where it's like we did something wrong and then we think repentance is just saying sorry. And then we go and do it again. And now we say sorry again. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is changing the way that you think. And so um, does intent matter? Yeah, intent definitely matters. But there's a faith aspect to it. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's this idea of confessing what you did, but then repenting and saying I'm going to change the way that I think I'm going to completely turn around 180 degrees. I'm going to, you know, put myself in a different situation and a different way of thinking. So I don't keep repeating the same sin. Like if you're a believer and the Holy spirit is inside of you, Mm. like there, there is this conviction where, you know, like the, the sin disrupts, you know, what's right. Your feeling of peace. Yeah. And, and so you don't want the sin there. If you ever get to the point where you no longer have conviction of sin, that's an issue. I don't think you're a believer anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, um, if that make if that answers your question, what we're saying is that the person who just attends church, um, just assume like I, I, I'm assuming you mean that they're just checking off the list, like oh, like you know, I'm saved because I, I do works basically. That's not the heart of someone that's been born again. Mm-hmm. Those are the people in the end of days that are going to say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. Um, you, we are not approved or justified by our actions. We are approved and justified by his blood. And, and if God is the judge and he says we're justified, who, what is anybody going to say to come against his pronouncement? Because he's the judge of the, of the entire world. And the interesting thing about this judge is because he doesn't, there's not going to be a mistrial due to lack of evidence, uh, or, uh, a false witness that he didn't understand, like you will be judged and all of your deeds, the Bible says is the, all the earth will be naked before him. He sees everything, not only your deeds, yeah. but also the inclination of your, of your heart. God sees it all. And we are justified not by our church attendance. We are justified by the blood of Christ and our trust in relationship uh, with him, but God sees it all. No one fools God. There's a family. I always say this. There's a family guy skit where Osama goes to <laughs> seal team six raids. <laughs> yeah, this is a quick jump, but uh, <laughs> people are like, I just jumped into this. We're on week three right now of Bible in a year, man. I'm reporting this to pastor James, but, um, 
so there's a Family Guy skit, and Osama gets raided by Na- like the Navy SEALs, and obviously you know what happens. His life was taken. And right before they shoot, he goes, Jesus, I believe in you. And it goes, bloop, and he's in heaven. He goes, yes. Like he just cheated the system. Like God, like you can fool God. Like that's not how it works. God sees the intent of the heart and you will be, you will be judged. Um, uh, and you're, there's nothing you're going to be able to hide, hide behind. God sees it all. And he makes a fair judgment. You're not going to, you're not going to sit there and be like, this is unfair. Like he, he knows and sees everything and he's the author of life. There's no one that's taken the stand for you. Nobody's sneaking into heaven. Yeah, no one's sneaking over the fence. (laughs) Heaven is a place where the people who are there want to be there because they enjoy spending time with God and other believers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love what James says. We'll we'll be wrapping up here. He says, Jesus' own life proves the generational curse can be broken. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's good, James. Praise God for that. Um. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Feels like sometimes they use it as blackmail to get into heaven, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. If if the heart of someone that has been forgiven and understands the grace that they have received, their heart is not to cheer on the destruction of those that are headed there, if that makes sense. Like, if you, like, I, like, because I know how much God has forgiven me, (laughs) I'm very careful to pronounce judgments on you because I realize that my authority doesn't come from me. It comes from Christ. And if Christ forgave me and my foolishness and forgave me when I was an enemy, how am I going to treat you um, that is living in your ignorance and is, you know, a rebel of God? I am going to plead with you to show you the kindness and love of God that had changed my life, but not to blackmail you because that's not true salvation if it is. That's a comforting way to put it. Amen. Lynn Pazillo, God knows our heart. Mm-hmm. Amen. With the same measure we use, we will be judged. You're right, Jesse. Yep. Amen. Well, I hope this guy's, I hope this blessed you. We kind of took a lot of different twists and turns. And uh, um, so just tell Pastor James we did a good job, um, you know when the when the cat's away the mice will play right but hopefully that this was beneficial to you guys and we didn't go down too many rabbit holes i hope this blessed you and i hope you guys continue to ask questions and read and make observations the reason again i say this every every week the reason why we do this is not just to create entertainment for you but we want to partner along with you and keep you accountable to developing your own personal reading time because uh that's where god speaks uh if you create a space for him create a space for him. God will fill it. A lot of times we want God to speak, but we want him to speak like fast food and just like want to twist his arm and have him speak to us on our time. But there's not a regular date that we have set up with him. And so that's what our heart is in doing this. We really want to hear the testimonies of what God is speaking to you in your life and your own reading and revelation, because God doesn't want you to have an experience with him secondhand from just us yep. or another pastor on stage like god can speak and he's living he's not just a god that is confined to a a history book that you read in the bible but but he speaks today and so if you guys have any testimonies of i, I heard there was someone there was a a kid that had been waking up his parents at 6 a.m to do the bible reading plan and he's a kids in, in kids church like that's pretty crazy that is. if you have testimonies of like what's god has been speaking to you or how this has changed your life i would also love to hear that you can email me 
uh, at Pastor Alex at Bethelsrock.org. But I love you guys. This will be posted. Uh, you'll see this on our YouTube if you're watching on TikTok. If you want to go back and, and participate in our Bible in a Year plan, you can go to Bethel's Rock. I have it up here, Bethelsrock.org. Uh, slash Bible in a year. You can go there, download the plan, and follow along with us as we go live every week on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. Love you guys. We will talk to you soon. See you later.